What story are you telling? Whether you're intentional about it or not, you have an audience and they think in story. The Doug Thompson podcast features diverse storytellers sharing their practical tips for telling the story they need others to envision and trust in order to take a new action. Here's your host, Doug Thompson. This episode of the Doug Thompson podcast was recorded from a live stream. The interview is here in its entirety. The spinning wheel of death. <laughs> I've, I've had it before. So, hey, hey, everybody, looks like we're live. Look like the mic is hot. And I know most of my people in the U.S. are probably still in bed or trying to find the coffee machine. But welcome to the Doug Thompson podcast live. This week, I have the honor of meeting somebody. It's the other end of the extreme. He's had his uh, beverage for the evening. Rob Elliott. Rob, how you doing? I'm good, Doug. How are you, mate? I am better than I deserve. It's a Monday morning here. I know you've been through Monday. Tell me, how does Monday work out? Give me a little preview of what's what's up for me. Mate, Monday's going to be a beautiful day. The sun's going to come out. It's going to be clear blue skies. You're going to have the best day you've had in weeks, mate. I love it. I love that. I had uh, We had Halloween here last night, and uh, my granddaughter was out. Uh, one of my grandkids was out trick-or-treating and all. And I got candy overload this morning, so I, we'll see if we can go on. Well, Rob, tell tell my audience about yourself a little bit. You you've got sort of a you know when I when I first met you, I saw a lot of me <laughs> and the things that you did. <laughs> Mate, I've grown up on the outskirts and in around Sydney all my life. My parents own and ran pubs, uh, so I was brought up in that in that. That's where I taught, learned a lot of my sales skills. After that, I moved through a lot of different other sales businesses. Uh, training, being sales managers and all that. I uh, met my lovely wife 34 years ago and uh, we moved to the outskirts of Sydney to raise our family. And sales has always been what I've loved doing, helping people, showing people what to do. These days I use those skills and I train people how to sell. I help people be confident when they're walking on stage or when they have to present. And then when I'm not doing that, I try and do a bit of uh, charity work, something that's a true passion of mine. And then I just enjoy my granddaughter and getting out and enjoying the great outdoors as we do in Australia. I tell you, it's, it's, uh, again, it's like me, you got hair though. Um, so that's, uh, I'm, I've been married to my wife for, it'll be 40 years, uh, mm. coming up. So, um, good, good on you. That's, that's, uh, we're, we get to be somewhat of a rarity these days, but I can't imagine my life without her to do that. Um, you talk about pubs now, my, mm. I, my dad owned, a bar, what we would call, what would be a pub here for yeah. when I was in high school. And I got to clean up the parking lot and got to do these other things. <laughs> I learned to play foosball, you know, table soccer yeah. um, and pool pretty well. But I, it, the interesting thing is the conversations that go on in there are so, well, there's the BS side of it as you get yeah. more alcohol, but there's some honesty in the conversations that go along in there. Yeah. How, that impacted you how did that impact your sort of view on things and how you tweak things from there i learned pretty quick that someone will tell a stranger much more than they'll tell a relative or their doctor and once because in australia there's tradition if you buy yourself you can walk into a pub sit at the bar have a beer and anyone's allowed to walk up to you you can be talk to a lot of american uh stars and they've been mm -hmm. caught out that way when they've been trying to have quiet time. But that doesn't happen in a pub in Australia. And I've heard and you sit there listening, the art of 
creating a conversation with someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. And people without realizing it all of a sudden go into sales mode because they're selling themselves to somebody. And I yeah. used to stand on the other side of the bar and I saw some classics. I saw some bullshit, as we call it. Uh, yeah. And then I saw some heartwarming things where guys would sit there, an older person would try and mentor a younger person. And it was coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. And you could see the change in their body, the change of uh, their voice. And then occasionally you'd see someone who'd been at the bar too long and their wife had come in looking for them. And uh, I can't say what was said on your yeah. show. We would all have a bit of a laugh and we knew we wouldn't see George for a few days because he'd be stuck at home with <laughs> the doghouse. But, mate, look, uh, I love that. Uh, no, I, I, that's, that's a, it's fantastic. The, the, the men, just everything that in there, your defenses are down. My first trip to Australia, well, my only trip to Australia, but I, I flew into Sydney and I got in the back of the cab. This is way before COVID and everything else. And I, cab driver asked me where I'm from. I said, I'm, I'm from Texas. And he says, he stops the car. He makes me get in the front seat next to him so we can have a conversation <laughs> on the way to the hotel, which I, which I thought was fantastic because it was like we were old friends that uh, were separated for a few weeks and had to catch up. Mate, you'd laugh. I made that mistake. First time I went to the States, I went to get in the front seat of a cab in New York. <laughs> and I got the weirdest look from this yeah. cabbie. And being a typical Aussie, I'm going, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I still love, I know it doesn't portray it well, but Crocodile Dundee, I still get some laughs and stuff from that. Yeah, so yeah. Arthur, how do you, how do you, you, you also mentor people on getting on stage. So, yeah. I, you know, I did a, I did a TED X talk a couple of years ago and you know, that's sort of, for a lot of people, that's the penultimate, uh, you know, stage mm -hmm. prep for me, that was a little unnatural and that there were a lot of parameters that you sort of had to deal with, but cause I like on stage, I like getting in with the audience. I'm not, you know, I, I pace mm -hmm. around. I want to make sure I make that connection with them. How do you, you know, you've, we were talking before you, you've met a lot of people, which mm -hmm. were oriented what they did politicians. Mm -hmm. I think you even mentioned. Yeah. But, but they were challenged. They couldn't get on stage. They didn't. But how do sort of how do you walk through that? What's the story that you tell them, or the story you get to them to tell themselves? Look, one of the things I do is I talk to them. I say, well, actually, one of the things I ask them to do is at the end of the first time I'm with them, I say, when you go out, when you go shopping, ask the girl or the guy serving you how their day was. I said, ask people you don't know how their day was. And uh, I get them to relax. I get them to talk about themselves. And as soon as you get someone talking about themselves, they drop. Now, if it comes to walking on stage, so I'll get someone who is petrified and I, or they'll say, I'm scared. And I just say, well, look, I can fix that in about one minute. And they say, why? I say, get rid of all those words and replace them with I'm excited. Never say I'm scared on this and that, say I'm excited. I said it is the same energy. Physically, it is the same energy inside you, anxiety and excitement. It's how you label it. Yeah. And I watched them get up and I said, now get up and tell everyone here you're excited to be here. And their whole body yeah. changes. You're right. It's, it's, I, cause I, in doing some brain science studies for my TED talk, athletes had the same thing. So they use the same energy. You know, they're, yeah. You know, a lot of people, they're not scared. They're just, you know, I'm really excited to go down this mountain 9,000 miles an hour and it could possibly die. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
awesome. <laughs> yeah, but they're excited about it. Oh man, look, it's 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 when you break it down because you've got to deal with different people different ways. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's in sales, and when you're teaching someone public speaking, you have to read the person you're with. Some people will react when I'm teaching them better to the normal Australian, straight between the eyes, straight up, no holes barred, very much like a Texan. Yeah. And others <laughs> need to be nurtured and warmth and all of that. And so you work with them both. And as soon as you get them up, you say, look, change those words. Oh, okay. Now I want you to get up in front of everyone So you're in, and we tell them you're in a safe spot. Mm-hmm. And I want you for 30 seconds to tell us what you ate for dinner last night. It's got nothing to do with what they're talking about. It's got them to talk. Yeah. And they go, oh, and they start to talk. And then we say, okay, next week we're going to be on stage. And they get a little bit, uh, and we get them in, but we won't let them on stage. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I walk around the room. They see me walk up on stage near a lectern, which I hate. But you got to teach them with yeah. electing first because that's a safe spot for them. Yeah. I don't use notes. I don't use anything like this. And and I say to them at the start of the class, so did anyone notice what I did? And they look at me and they go, what do you mean? I said, I walked up to the lectern. I walked on the stage. I walked behind the stage. I said, every time you go to speak in public, you walk the stage. You walk the lectern. You walk the room. So by the time you get to walk out, Nothing's a surprise. You've already been there. Yeah. And no longer nervous. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see them as like light bulbs. And then then we go through, you know, how to write a speech. Now, I was taught by someone who was awesome that four spots, four notes is all you need. I even saw an Australian Prime Minister do the same. On the lectern was four dot points. Mm-hmm. That's all he needed to speak. And as he got to the end, he'd look down and they were just visual clues mm-hmm. and bang. And that's all you need. Because I was, I used to have Coke bottle glasses until I found an ophthalmologist who cured me. <laughs> Three operations later, that's a whole different story. But I couldn't see. I was short-sighted. I was blind as bat, you know. So I learnt to speak without notes because I had to memorise everything. And I said to someone... Well, you can do that. Oh, no, I can't. I've got to have my notes. I said, no, you don't. The only time you need notes, and this is, a, is if you are quoting statistics, because mm-hmm. if you're quoting statistics, you've got to have it right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I said, apart from that, I'll, I take them from having a note sheet to a note sheet. And I asked them one day, I said, okay, everyone bring their speech next week. I want you to practice it and practice it. And they all turn up. And, I, and I, then I start the class. I put a bin in the front. And I said, oh, who's got their sheets here? And I said, I said, all walk up, put you in the bin. And they hate me. And I said, now get up and do your speeches. I said, because if you don't know what you're talking about, the audience within two minutes will know you, you don't. It's got to be from the heart. doesn't matter what you're speaking on. If you don't know your stuff, you shouldn't be on stage. And yeah, it is that's- a bit of a... A jerk. It is a bit of a, it's designed to hit them. Yeah. Well, but it works. Yeah. You have to get their attention. It's sometimes you have to use the, yeah. the board to get the mule's attention because uh, they get all wrapped up in in themselves. You know, I've been there I, I, before the TED talk. Yeah. I had experienced things I hadn't experienced on stage in 20 odd years. I got, yeah. I got in my yeah. own way. I got, and there was this 12 year old that was getting up doing one after me and she got me, she hit me. I guess. <laughs> 
that's like, wow, I learned from a 12 year old, but you do, you get in your own head. Yeah. And the, you know, I, I can't memorize, I would be a horrible actor unless it was like an improv thing. Cause I, I can't memorize lines and I can't read a teleprompter. I, I just, well, I, maybe I should, I'm excited to read. No, I'm, I'll try, I'll try that later, but I know what I want to talk about. Yeah. I know the points that I want to get across. And like I said, here's the point. So I'll use slides which have pictures, which reinforce the point I'm talking about, but also remind me of what that is. So I never have to be behind. I hate the lectern too. I feel like a caged animal when I'm, when I'm back there. And so it's very much the same thing. If you know, if you said, if you're passionate about what you're talking about and what this, then you know, the material, the words that you use and the order that you use, you know, it depends on if it's the impactful state of your politician or something, but the yes. story you're getting across is very easy to tell once you get out of your own way. Oh, look, 100%. What people have got to realise is that you're actually telling a story, except when you walk on stage, you're the first page of your own book. So as you walk on stage, your demeanour, how you're dressed, how you handle yourself, you must own that stage. It doesn't matter if you're shaking in the boots. No one's allowed to know. Yeah, nobody, nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. And I've done it. I mean, anybody, you know you've done it, uh, public speaking. There are times when you're a little bit, oh, dear, what have I done? I shouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah. But you walk on stage and you go, bang, that's it. I own yeah. the stage. I'm going to give a great speech. I'm going to talk to people. And I tell yeah. you what, the vibe in the room just picks straight away. Well, you mentioned the vibe, and that's one thing over the past, you know, several months we've been locked down and we're doing mm-hmm. things virtually. It, I've missed that. I, you know, I was talking yeah. to somebody the other day and said, you can be just as impactful through zoom or what have you. Um, I, I believe if you're a good speaker and you're comfortable, you can be impactful, yeah. but there's nothing to replace that vibe that I call it. I'll call it the pub vibe. When you walk into the pub, yeah. there's a vibe that, Hey, I'm welcome here. I get feedback back from mm-hmm. my mate. Be it, you know, they're calling BS on me or what have you. There's that human interaction. It's an unseen energy that goes across between speaker and audience and yeah. More importantly for me, from audience to speaker, that you can't match anywhere else. It's almost like a drug. I call it oxygen. Mm-hmm. The bigger the vibe, the more oxygen you've got, the better you perform. You talk to a, a I've interviewed entertainers, people who are lead singers of bands, and they will tell you straight up that they base their energy on stage off the energy mm-hmm. of the audience. And I strongly believe that when you're performing, and that can be the same in just sales. Mm-hmm. If you're coming up against someone who doesn't want to talk to you, mm-hmm. you pick that up very quick. Mm-hmm. But the vibe, there's nothing better than if you have a good room and then sometimes if you're going on after a speaker who hasn't been that interesting, you know, he's mm-hmm. been talking spreadsheets and PowerPoints and he's just lost <laughs> yeah. people, you know. Yeah. You've got to get the vibe back real quick and yeah. uh, you've got to have a few things in your in your kit bag to bounce back on stage and, and get the room going again and, uh, you know, one of the things I use is I tell everyone to get up and start jumping around and make fools of themselves and then go and find someone they don't know and say good day. Yeah. Because you've got to move yeah. that off. You've got to get them going. And you say, yeah, it, yeah, because it changes the scene. It changes. It's like every, you've, you've changed scenes in a movie that time by getting them up, getting them mm-hmm. out of the position they've been in mm-hmm. uh, to do that. And again, getting some blood flowing and oxygen flowing. Yeah. You, you mentioned it in the sales aspect of it. So you've been in sales. Yeah most of your career and we were talking before is that it's a it's a this customer will tell you what you want 
what they want, not what you want, what they want. If you listen to them, if you talk with them, sort of explain your methodology behind that. How have you been so successful all these years? When I was young, I used to listen to respond, which is the worst thing anyone can do. You get a lot of people get trained where this is the product, this is the what it does, this is what you're going to tell them. The mm-hmm. worst thing is in between that is we've been given two ears and one mouth for a reason. And that is exactly how much we should speak with a customer. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, and there's there's many different types of listening. Yeah, there's active listening, there's responsive listening, there's acknowledging. And they're all different styles based on who you're talking to. So then it comes down to the person, like a process person, a chilled person, uh, a person who's abrupt, as we call in Australia, which some people call direct. They're not being rude. That's just who they are. Mm-hmm. And so you have to match, or we call it mirroring. Mm-hmm. Where you mirror what they say or do what they say. But you have to listen with your 100% of your body. Mm-hmm. And you also have to listen with your eyes. And people look at me and go, what do you mean by that? Well, some people call it body language. But communication is 80% nonverbal, mm-hmm. 20% verbal. And it goes back and forth. So if I'm with somebody, I made the mistake of not listening. And the key words come out when someone's telling you. And when you don't listen for what they're actually saying or mm-hmm. what their key problem is, they may tell you that their car is too slow and the mm-hmm. tyres are But if you don't pay attention, you miss where he says the engine is too small. Mm-hmm. So when you get just caught up, and we've all done it, when you get excited in sales, you turn off. You're just ready. You want to kill or You want to give him this. You want to give it. And as soon as you get and you get too focused, mm-hmm. Once you get focused, so you get too narrow. Yeah. So when it comes to listening, you've got to relax. You've got to chill. And you've just got to be given them 100% of your attention. Yeah. And then if you don't understand something they say, ask them, what do you mean by that? Never ask why. Mm-hmm. Why it's the worst possible thing you can ask in sales. Yeah. But turn around and ask them, what made you say that or how come that's so important to you? And mm-hmm. they'll just go, blah, 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 because people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. But you give them what they want, you sell them what they need. Yeah. Well, you know, I always, I, I consider it more of a, having a conversation with somebody where I have something that solves their problems they have and they're willing to pay for yeah. it. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I, I never really looked at numbers as much as being driven, hey, it's the end of the quarter. If I'm yeah. doing my job right, the numbers take care of themselves. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I never looked at that. Much. Yeah, I, it's it's you. You were you were talking earlier, and I've done this with customers too. You were talking about working with somebody. It was a charity event, but yes, there was a point that they wanted to make or something they wanted to get out, and 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 you knew they missed that opportunity or they yes. couldn't find the on ramp, you know, for yes. something they were looking for some help. How do you how do you go about doing that and not you know, do that effectively. I'm not saying not as, but how do you do that effectively? What are some keys that you look for? Sales or being on stage and being an MC and interviewing, it's very similar in a lot of it. It's prep. It's mm-hmm. preparation, knowing who the company is you're selling to and who that, or knowing the person on stage, as in doing your preparation around them, knowing what their key points are. And if you're going to interview someone on stage, you need to have had a coffee with them before. Not mm-hmm. always, but if you, if you look at any of the great interviewers on any of the big shows around the world on television, they've done their work before. 
So they know, even if they haven't physically met them, they've done all the work they know. So when it came to that person I was talking about, the charity she wanted to promote was very close to her heart, but she wasn't ever on stage. She'd never done it before. She didn't, she chose not to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'd said to her before, we will bring this up by asking what we call a leading question. Mm-hmm. A leading question is a question you ask leading them towards the answer you want. We use it in sales like yeah. someone uh, test drives a car and you turn and say, you really enjoyed that today, didn't you? Yeah. 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 What did you like about my car? Yes. So it's a leading question, leading question. But the same I did with her. And I gave, she, I went, so what do you do when you're not at work? She didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then she, then I said to her, so is there anything, you know, that you're really, what's your passionate about when you're not, she didn't get it. So then I just said, I was doing some written, now you, you've got to qualify. I was right. doing some reading up on you before we come. And a little yeah. birdie told me that you, and that was it, the yeah. light went on. Yeah. So you've got yeah, to it, it, yeah. It, it's throwing them a rope, but it was doing it elegantly so it doesn't look like you're throwing them a rope. Yeah. On that, and you know, I was doing a little. So I was doing my research on you. I listened to some of your podcasts uh-huh. and, and read up on your book. And it's it's the and we spent ten minutes before, <laughs> sort of talking about it. So it, it gets on. It, it is it is an art, and because you have to, you can't fake interest. And in so I mean, you can you can say, but the body language gives it away, and the conversation yeah. eventually gets stilted if you don't truly have an interest in the person that you're talking to, what they have to say and what they have to share. And, and and the reason for being there. So I, I love that connection that we got from that. And and I could pick up a lot from your podcast. I said, you know, this, yeah. th- there's a lot of uh, just intuitiveness about what, what, you know, in your interaction with your guest and all that you had. So I did want to give you that compliment. Oh, thanks. So look, I think that was brought by, as you said, telling the audience, I grew up in pubs in Australia. Mm-hmm. So you and you were dealing with, I remember walking up to a guy once and I was the only person on in the pub this night. He drank too much. And I'm walking towards him and he was seven foot tall, the same wide. He could have taken me out with one. Now, being in, you learn very quickly how to read their body language. You learn very quickly how to read the person and what mood they're in and how to speak to them. And I didn't always get it right. You know, young fella, in when you're behind the bar by yourself, a little bit of attitude, a little bit of this, a little of that, you learn to duck. <laughs> uh, but it taught me a lot about sales, man. Uh, and I got this guy out without laying a finger on him. Mm. He wasn't very happy, but I didn't care. <laughs> uh, and I didn't look over my back because you don't look over yeah. your back. That's a sign of weakness when you're when you when you're throwing something yeah. out. What? So yeah. a lot of it was bravado. A lot of it was. Go on, I dare you. And, you know, but that's some exactly that think, It's learned from life experiences, Doug. Yeah. Some of that I think would just be the Australian or Texan and you that, you know, you don't look back, but you, it's it's a lot like stage. You're, you're going to it take is. it. You're going to own that stage. You have the confidence to do it. You've been there before. Yes. Even yes. though the situation may be a little bit different, the room may be a little bit different. You've been there before. Nobody's died giving a presentation on stage. No. I mean, what's the worst that can happen to you at that point in time? It's just like, mind don't blank. get in your own way. Yeah, look, uh, mind blank, as we call it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? You get a little bit embarrassed, you go to the pub that night and forget about it. 
Yeah. So that's all right. So you mentioned a book coming out on that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about when it's going to be coming out and all, because I'd, I'd really like to to get that. I'm a, I'm a big reader and, um, you know, Dan Pink, you mentioned about selling. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to digress just a minute, but Dan Pink to sell as human, regardless of what occupation you're in, it has some sales with it whether it being the value that you bring to something, or if you're an engineer, the value of my idea or things like that. Sounds like you've got a bunch of the same, you believe the same thing. Well, look, 100%. The, the issue that I had was people said to me, all the sales books and all the courses out there are all high end, all mega expensive, and all for people who are experienced in sales. There's nothing out there for someone who's just starting out in the sales industry or a manager, like most of them do, don't understand salespeople. Because most salespeople don't understand managers, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> and so I decided during COVID, you know, what else am I going to do? We've been locked down in and out in Sydney. And uh, I thought, well, look, I'll write a book. So I'm right, I've written a book called The Sales Chain, Tips and Tools and an Insider's View to the Business of Sales. And Fingers crossed with the publisher, it'll be out on Amazon and everywhere else around the world the first week of December. And it's it is not it's a little bit more than a beginner's guide, but it covers everything that I've been taught. I talk about uh, my mistakes, stories. Everything is related to a story. I've got seven people from around the world, all in sales, but all in different industries, writing about what sales in. Like there's a venture capitalist, there's a communications expert expert from Monaco, there's a real estate agent. So it's all their view on sales. So there is something for everyone. There's a few laughs in it, uh, some stories that I'm sure people are going to relate to, because as you and I agree, sometimes the best way to teach somebody is through stories. Mm -hmm. And that's what I use in this book. I use, I do, there are ones that are, you know, very, very technical about listening and key and niching and all that. And then there's others where I just tell a story. So, uh, you're so. right. So we had a couple of you come. Hey, uh, hey, Gabe. Hey, Matthews. How are y'all doing this morning? Um, you're you're right. And and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna want to get that book. I'm gonna go send me a link to that, and I'll uh, I'll put it in the show notes if you've got a pre 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 buy. But uh, Rob, it's been a great uh, great morning with me. I hope it it helps you go sleep at night. Although that could be a boring thing. Uh, <laughs> and a great conversation. How can people get a hold of you, mate? Uh, easy. Uh, RobElliot.com.au I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on the real Rob Elliott on Instagram. So I'm not like everyone. Uh, follow me up. Message me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to answer anyone's questions if they get stuck anywhere around the world on sales, mate. I just want to have, have people enjoy doing their job and uh, be successful and uh, say good day, as we say in Australia. From anywhere in the world, I'd love to say good day back. Well, I, I, you and I are both of the part where we want to give back to other people. Yeah. I get so much joy from, we talked about it before, when you've talked to somebody, you've you know, coached them or, or whatever, mm -hmm. then they take, they take what you've given to unlock their potential. Because the best yeah. reward I get is watching people do things that I could never do, but I know that I helped unlock to them to be the best that they can be. And I know that, that you're, in talking with you, you're much the same way. Mate, how, how true, Doug, isn't it? There's nothing better than seeing someone who you're, even if you're giving them one minute of your time, going out and nailing it. I just, I, I, there's nothing better. I love it. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. So everybody have a good evening, have a good sleep, have a good day. It's Rob said it's going to be the best day here. So 
Everybody in the U.S. where days just coming up, go out and live up and and trust Rob. Thanks a lot, everybody. Hey, thanks, buddy. Bye.